Let us pray. Almighty and Heavenly Father, we ask that you move in us and stir in us a spirit of, of action, of love, of justice, to seek the dignity of every human being in all that we do and in all that we say. All this we ask in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Eastertide is our liturgical celebration of Christ's resurrection. This 50-day season is a festive time to reflect Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. So every Sunday during this season, we have heard a little bit about what it means to be a Christian and about our faith. From the Acts of the Apostles, where we hear from Peter and John equipped with the Holy Spirit, to Peter writing to the church in Asia Minor, and from the Gospel according to John, we witness accounts from real and actual people. These lessons are meant to strengthen our faith in this risen Christ that is for all. It directs us to this mystery that we don't fully understand. Yet this joy and this celebration does not erase the suffering because we know that resurrection was not possible without pain and death. Today, the fourth Sunday of Easter is usually called Good Shepherd Sunday because our gospel reading is always from John 10 where Jesus describes himself as the Good Shepherd. So I invite you to pay close attention to our hymns, our collect, and our lessons that are centered around it. It becomes an invitation every year to ask ourselves difficult and uncomfortable questions. Whom will we trust to lead us? Whom will we follow on this journey that we are each individually on? And what are we each called to do? Our first lesson from Acts is what Luke is observing of this first Christian community. And here we use this term loosely to describe this new, just this new uh, group uh, or growing group of people because they are still Jewish based on what Luke observes today. They were still devoted to prayers and spent much of their time in the temple. They broke bread at home, which was a common practice. This beautiful image is created where there is peace among the people. This community building is happening because all who believed were together. They had things in common. But, scripture tells us, but they were also in awe of what was happening. As if the people were discovering something that they were all lacking up until this point. And according to Karl Barth, this is what genuine fellowship is grounded upon. This idea that once the people witnessed the wonders and signs being done by the apostles, then did they realize they were connected. Everyone sharing equally in the good gifts of God. Theologian Walter Brueggemann reminds us that this early church did not devote themselves to evangelism, but to preaching and fellowship, to worship and acts of caring. And therefore, God honored their faithfulness by adding to their numbers those who were being saved. Then, so that's our first lesson. Then, of course, an all-time favorite, Psalm 23, that walks us through the suffering and res resurrection in just a few verses. This is why I believe it is a favorite and from which many hymns originate from. We can identify with this text. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. 
The same message that Peter is sharing with this church that is suffering at the time because those whom he is writing to used to participate in their communities, but since their conversion to Christ, they were marginalized, persecuted, and abused. Peter wants this church to respond as Jesus did, implicitly reminding us to love as Jesus loved. Knowing that doing this work is not easy, but rather quite difficult. How does God do this? God does not shout, scream, or push as we have read. The Spirit of God is gentle in every way. A gentle shepherd who knows their sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. And the sheep hear his voice, says our gospel this morning. Again, who do we trust to lead us? Especially today when we are so divided in so many different ways, how do we intentionally create a community to surround ourselves and share God's good gifts, yet respond to a world that is experiencing loss, grief, and hopeless rage? The internet can be a cruel place, right? I think we all know that. I'm in many Facebook groups that I probably should either stop following or probably interact with more often, but a post from one of these groups caught my attention this week. This Episcopal group uploaded a beautiful picture, beautiful, beautiful picture of our, of our high altar, our main altar for Eucharistic celebration. So of course I clicked on it and I made sure to tag our Facebook page in case folks wanted to check us out. I know, I know. Always thinking of how to get others to find us. What can I say? I love this place. I started reading some comments and it was beautiful to hear from so many who have been here for different parts of their lives. Folks who have gotten married here, who have stopped by because they had a long layover at the airport, who have attended funerals here, even previous rectors, and just a lot of love in the comments. But some also pointed out that sometimes these beautiful, beautiful buildings keep us from growing as preachers, distract us from fellowship, from caring and worshiping with others. I, of course, felt attacked and judged by these complete strangers on the internet. But then I realized I too had done this exact, had done this exact thing. My sending parish or the, or the church that raised me up is beautiful and has an altar that is completely different from Trinity's. And when I got here, I struggled a lot trying to think I thought to myself, it must be very expensive to sustain and to care for a church like this. And I asked myself, how am I going to deal with this feeling that is coming up for me when, when I think of working here at this place that has so much when I know what it means not to have? It was easy for me to make many assumptions which I think is what some folks in that comment section were doing. But now that I have been here almost three years, now that I have gotten to know Trinity, I think, wow, Trinity is a beautiful place. And it is a place that is extremely expensive to keep up 
with obtain and, and take care of. So thanks to, to Ryan and John and the vestry members who are always taking care of the details. And it is also a building that is open every day for our neighbors. It is a building that is open to other groups to meet year-round. It is a building that hosts this community here that comes together to worship, create, share with our neighbors, and to respond to the needs of others. But you wouldn't know that from just looking at a picture. So all these voices are shouting to get our attention. TV, social media posts like that particular one that I came across. How do we distinguish the voice of our shepherd? Henry Nguyen reminds us that God does not shout, scream, or push. The Spirit of God is soft and gentle, like a small voice or a light breeze. It is the Spirit of love. That's the voice we are invited to and asked to follow today. And if any voice tells you anything else, trust that that is not Jesus. If a voice tells you to dismiss the value of anybody else, trust that that is not Jesus. When we listen to the shepherd, we respond with love, a love that seeks the dignity and justice of every human being. We, you and I, we become the church. And maybe today the goal of our Acts lesson is to give us a glimpse of what this could look like to gather around a table, a fellowship of sharing food and conversation like Jesus modeled for us throughout the Gospels. We today are reminded that we are not the shepherd, and thanks be to God for that. We are liberated from that responsibility. Instead, our responsibility is to discern to gather, respond, and act in ways that also liberate others. Monsignor Oscar Romero reminds us we cannot do everything. And there is a sense of liberation in realizing that. This actually enables us to do something and to do it very well. It may be incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and do the rest. Gathering, if we see our scriptures today, gathering community was essential. Gathering in a community is essential today too. When we gather, we listen to God and respond with love. And I feel to end this morning, I would not be completely responding with love if I didn't remind you that today, a family has woken up with five missing family members that were killed Friday night. Across the U.S. since January 1st, there have been at least 18 shootings that left four or more people dead, according to the Associated Press. Yet in Texas, we have rejected calls for new firearm restrictions. Again, gathering is essential. And we also gather to lament. We gather to find solutions to respond to the needs of this broken world, knowing that it will not be easy, 
but that our call is to love and that love emboldens us to do more. Our anger, as author Prisca Dorcas Mojica Rodriguez reminds us, is generative. generative. So this morning we say, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen.